We want to extend a warm welcome to our guests, and we're glad you're here. We're happy to worship with you. And if you would, we're going to sing our first hymn, Give Thanks, which is number 74 in the Blue Hymnal. Most merciful God, we confess that we've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry. We humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. May the Father of all mercies cleanse us from our sins and restore us in his image to the praise and glory of his name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed is the Lord, for he has heard the voice of our prayer. Therefore shall our hearts dance for joy and in our song, we praise our God. In the insert, you'll find a responsive reading from Psalm 1. And uh, typically, the, the lines that are to be recited by the congregants are black. But this time, I'll just tell you that it's the even numbers 
instead of the odd, <laughs> if that makes sense. So I'll read the odd, and you can, we can read the evens together. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so with the wicked. They are like chaff the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Our second hymn today is number 75, There is a Redeemer. before you today life and prosperity 
death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life, so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give you. Give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And our second reading is from Philemon 1. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you both as a fellow man and as a brother in in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you would stand for the gospel reading, please. Our gospel reading today is going to be from Luke 14. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus 
And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have, you cannot be my disciples. This is the gospel of Christ. Praise to you, O Christ. You can be seated. Relationships are difficult, especially relationships that are committed. Because there's a commitment, there's a bond that ties you to that person. They're difficult because you have to work things out. Unfortunately, a lot of relationships in the Bible are not healthy. They aren't a good example of how we should live. They show the, the flaws and the daily things that we face even today that may destroy or inhibit us from having healthy relationships. Our reading, the, the letter to Philemon from Paul is one of two personal letters written by some an individual to another individual, which tells us that it's, it's very personal. It's not general, you could say. It it's addresses a specific issue, which shows that Paul is thoughtful, and it means something to him enough to write. Who is Philemon? Philemon was a person, a brother, a friend in Colossae. And uh, indirectly, we know this by his relationship with Onesimus. To get into the story or to, to try to understand what's happening between Philemon and Paul is really to understand, to get a first person glimpse of how Paul handles problems with the gospel. Personal relationships that have failed, that have been severed, that have been damaged, and how one apostle seeks to reconcile not just himself to someone else, but between believers that have, have had a falling out. He starts off by saying that 
the things that he respects and values about the church that he's writing to, and then he'll switch to addressing Philemon specifically. But he says in verse 5, Because I hear about your love for all his holy people, that is, believers, Christians, and your faith in the Lord Jesus. Paul is commending him for his love for God through Jesus and also his love for others because of Jesus. Which tells us, as he addresses him, he says, My dear friend and fellow worker, we can understand that Philemon is a committed believer, that he believes the gospel. And he's also committed to working with Paul, who is desperately attempting to make the gospel known. But notice what he says here in verse 6. He says, I pray that your partnership with us, that is with Paul and his associates, and the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing that we share. In other words, Philemon knows about the gospel and he is acting out his faith. But Paul is saying that there's something that he has to share with Philemon that will cause him to deepen his understanding with the gospel. And you know what it is? It's his severed relationship with his slaves. One of the main takeaways of, of this sermon is that the problems that we face in our relationships are often the very thing that God uses the most to make us more like Him. The things that we want to avoid, the awkward scenarios with people that we don't like, that bug us, or maybe it's people in the church. Problems that we face, these inconveniences, are ways that lead us to the gospel and to lead us to growing more like God, which in turn makes not these, these relationships a burden, but something that causes us to rejoice. So he says, I pray that our partnership will allow you to deepen your understanding of every good thing that we share for the sake of Christ. And what do they share? They share a common grace from God through Jesus, which gives them the opportunity to extend that grace to other people because of Jesus. He says in verse 7, Your love has given me great joy and encouragement. Because you, brother, this is when he switches to Philemon specifically, you've refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. He has something that he wants to share with Philemon that may not be comfortable. Because you see that this person has actually benefited Paul. He's actually been an encouragement to Paul, but there's something that's, that's in the way that he must say to this person. So he says, you know, I, I've been acknowledged as an apostle, but I don't want to force this upon you. I don't want to tell you from authority that you must do this in the same way that anything that I say from behind this lectern to you is not a command. I don't have that authority. But what Paul says is that I'm appealing to you in love, meaning that I'm raising some issues and some questions for you to consider because I care. And so with me... 
So he says, I have, I can't force you to do this, but I see the need of what I'm going to say to you in your life, and so I appeal to you as someone who loves you, as someone who cares for you. And what does he have to say? He says in verse 10, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. He he formerly was useless to you, but now he's become useful both to you and me. Who is Onesimus? He's a slave. He was probably an indentured servant, meaning that he owed tons and tons of money to someone, and so he became that person's slave until his debts were paid off. Now there is, in the first century, evidence that many slaves were abducted in the slavery that we probably all are familiar with um, of the 17th and 18th century. But Onesimus seems to have more freedom. He seems to be more of, 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 of a citizen that has full standing, except that he is in a place where he is under the, the, the auspices of Philemon because of some debt. And he, this is clear from the passage. He says, he mentions his debt. But for some reason, Onesimus has either been sent away or escaped. It's not entirely clear as the context isn't isn't full. It is a personal letter. There would be no need to explain the scenario because everyone involved would have known. But something happened between them. Whether Onesimus was running away or he was sent away, something happened. And in the meantime, Onesimus became a great encouragement to Paul. See, Paul kind of has an objective view. It's not as personal, but Onesimus comes to Paul when he's in prison and he ministers to Paul. Someone who would have perhaps had low standing, maybe someone that Philemon would have been bitter against because he owed him money. But through some type of engagement or interaction, Paul, this old man who's coming to the end of his life, has been encouraged by perhaps a young Christian who has enemies. Paul, out of his wisdom, speaks to Onesimus, and Onesimus in return, Paul says, fulfills the obligations of this church that Philemon has been a part of. You see, they're partners. So we have a little bit of a triangle. Onesimus has a broken relationship with his master, Philemon. Philemon owes Paul. And Paul now has a relationship with Onesimus, and Paul is reaching back into the life of Philemon to restore this relationship. And he does so in a way that's not vindictive, but appeals to him as a brother. In other words, he is using, he's going to use the gospel to restore this relationship. He says, Onesimus, he became my son while I was in chains. Now, I don't, I don't know the specifics of what he means by this, other than he, he calls several people his sons, maybe a convert, people he's led to Christ. But what if Paul, as he suggests that he will do, maybe he's already paid these debts. 
Paul recognizes that Onesimus is paying back something that he may have overspent or borrowed, and Paul will later say that he is going to pay these debts back. Now imagine what that would do for someone like Onesimus. He says he became my, he became my son while I was in chains. This could have been adoption even, especially in the first century where you take people into your family, you give them a name. His name, Onesimus, means useful. And it's a little bit of a play on words in verse 11. He says, formerly he was useful to you, but now he's become useful both to you and me. You see, he's helped Paul, but I think, and I'm suggesting this, providing context that may not necessarily be there, but Paul sees that Onesimus has something to offer Philemon, and it has nothing to do about service. It has to do about a deepening understanding of the gospel. So he says he'll be key. he's become useful to both you and, me, you and me, and I'm sending him back to you. Why would he send him back? Why would Onesimus go back? Imagine if you are a slave and perhaps you've been mistreated. Perhaps you have found this, all of a sudden, this newfound freedom. You've, you've, you've found a mentor that loves you and cares for you in Paul. And Paul says, maybe you should go back. And maybe this letter is what he sent back with Onesimus as he went back. See, he says, he says, I would have liked to keep him in verse 13. In other words, Onesimus was a great encouragement to Paul the apostle. But he says, I recognize in 14 that, that he belongs to you and I don't want to force you to to have him stay here with me. So he says for 15, perhaps this reason he was separated from you for a little while so that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but as a dear brother. Imagine this. I know it's hard for us to wrap around the idea of slavery or owning slaves, but imagine what Paul is doing for Onesimus. He's speaking truth to his friend and brother Philemon and saying, this person used to be a slave. He used to be under you. He may even have wronged you and taken your money. I have paid his debt as a brother in Christ. Receive him back. He even says that Onesimus has helped Paul more than them in 13. Paul's applying the gospel to Onesimus because he knows how much he has been shown mercy from God. If you remember Paul, when he tells his story, he, he refers to himself as a murderer, as someone who, who worked against the gospel, who worked against Jesus, who, who persecuted believers, and he was shown an incredible amount of grace. And Christians around him like Barnabas, took him in when no one else 
believed that he could have been repentant. Imagine a slave that owes money that, and, and owes so much that he has to become a servant of someone else. And the strange relationship that that would put between two believers. And it seems that Paul is saying, he says, if he's, this is verse 18, and leading up to that, welcome him as you would welcome me, 18. If he's done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. I think the hardest situation out of all of these, out of these three, is probably Onesimus. Is that he's learned something from Paul that he's willing to go back to his master that he's fallen out with. Even though he could have been abused, he could have been mistreated, he could have, Philemon could have not listened to Paul. But I think one of the reasons why this actually worked out for good and that we know that it was successful is because this letter exists. I don't think Philemon would have allowed anyone to read this had he decided to mistreat Onesimus. Relationships are hard, especially ones that we find ourselves in that we're committed to. I'd be willing to bet that all of us, if we were to audit or to in, take inventory of relationships that we've had that have failed, that when the heat of the moments passed, that perhaps there were things that we could have done differently or we wish we could have done differently. This very week for me, if you'd allow me to say something personal, I had an interaction with someone this week. And I had every right to demand what I thought to be right. The person, what the person said to me I thought was wrong, and not only was it wrong, but it was, it was done in a way that wasn't helpful. And as I sat there writing and taking notes about this sermon, I was, I was bitter in my heart. But how dare this person? And then I realized, how dare I get up here and say anything about Paul and Onesimus and Philemon if I don't practice this myself? How can I talk about last week brotherly love and hospitality and talk about forgiveness with the gospel if I'm sitting here writing the message as I am demanding my own rights? That's called hypocrisy. And I think a lot of the things that happened this week were obviously from God. You see, I saw it as an inconvenience to deal with someone they're not in Vilnius, don't worry. I saw it as an inconvenience. And four days ago, I was praying that God would teach and stretch me and, and to, to allow me to grow and to be more like Christ. And do you think that that's a coincidence that this came into my life? If I was, if I was not in my mind, I would say that this was an unfortunate event. Yes, relationships are hard, especially the ones that have commitments. 
But the difficulty in our relationships are usually the means by which we grow. And the only way that that makes sense for me is because by the grace of God, the Spirit of God moved in me and caused me for one second to see that I was a hypocrite. That's the difference. If we don't have the gospel, we do not have the Spirit. We are completely incapable. I am so naturally inclined to demand my rights and to stand up for myself. But then I remember that I am Onesimus, that like Paul paid for the debts, God paid my debts. And so how can I go to someone else and demand that they pay me back for Whether you're Paul or Philemon or Onesimus, if you live long enough, you're going to be one of the three. You're going to be in a relationship that's either going to require you to be reconciled to someone else, someone reconciled to you, or maybe you being an arbitrator between two conflicting people. I want to challenge you, as I've been challenged this week, If you are a believer, if you have the Spirit of God in you, and if God loves you, and God's all-powerful, then you can trust that everything that comes into your life, as uncomfortable or unpleasant or maybe as devastating as it sounds, or as devastating as it could be, It's used to make you more like Him. And even if it doesn't seem like it is, it sure helps. It's an encouragement. It's a blessing. That's why it's so important for us to be in each other's lives and to remind each other of the gospel and to practice it. Because we forget. I forget. I forgot this week. Your inconveniences are the ways in which God uses. There is instruments to change us, to grow us. It's so encouraging. I'm so thankful for letters like this that have been saved. That at first, when we, when I, you know, read these first, studying them for the first time, I didn't understand until it happened to me. Find something this week that you have seen as an obstacle, and use the power of the Spirit to view it from a different angle, and say, "How might God be using this not to help someone else?" but to help me, to change me. When I was writing this sermon, I thought there was a part of me that thought for a split second, I'm glad that the people in the pews are gonna hear this message 
And it's a privilege for me to give it. And then that was immediately followed by a voice that said, it's for you, not your audience, not your brothers and sisters in Christ, it's for you. Man. Let's take a moment to reflect on this. Not to dwell on the ways that we've fallen short, not to remember the ways that we've failed God or other people or ways that we've destroyed relationships. But to take a couple moments to thank God for His grace and to remember that He has not given up on us, though we owe Him. After a moment of quiet prayer, we'll continue in our service with a reciting of the Apostles' Creed. So if you would just take a few moments for reflection and prayer, focus on the mercy of God. Would you stand with me and recite what Christians everywhere and always have believed. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Before we share the peace, know that the peace between us is established because of Jesus and the forgiveness that comes through that that we extend to others, especially in the church. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
thank you for the gospel. Thank you for Jesus and the ability to understand and believe that we are saved through grace. That you've sent your son for us to be with us. God, I pray that you would give us the power to believe that, to be bold enough to remind each other of that. Pray that you would give us the power to remember that as much as we would like to say the gospel is for other people as it is, that it's for us, first and foremost. God, give us wisdom. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Help we pray for Lithuania, our city, Vilnius, and for the guests that are here in their hometowns and their countries, God. We pray that there would be an outpouring of your spirit. If reconciliation can happen between Onesimus and Philemon and Paul, how much more so between individuals, citizens, and nations? God, we pray that mercy would be poured out on people that would result in life change. Please do this. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. If you would, as a closing prayer, recite the Lord's Prayer. It's, uh, it's, it may be different than what you're used to, but feel free to recite it as you feel led. Please join me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our final hymn is 331. How fitting, just as I am, as we approach Jesus in forgiveness, know that he accepts us as we are. Just as I am, 331.
peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.